right, well, if you have a Bible today, let's open up to 1 John chapter 4. Today we cover a few verses in here that are so fundamental and foundational for us as Christians, and it's that whole issue of, of love. And that is uh, that we are called to love everyone. We're called to love others, but the only way that's going to be possible is if we understand the love of God towards us. And so look what it says here in verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. How many of you here know that as a song, just out of curiosity? You guys want to sing it together? Beloved, let us love one another. Oh, man, you guys didn't do too well in that. <laughs> no, actually, you did pretty good. You know, one of the things about singing the song is that you, you're able to not only know the song, you're able to memorize the passage, and that's rather impressive, but it's not enough. It's not enough just to sing the song, and it's not enough to memorize the Bible. I don't care if you get a word perfect. Question, do you love? Do you love? See, John right here is going to give us some words that are going to challenge us in this area because, you know, a lot of husbands, they're not loving their wives. A lot of wives aren't loving their husbands. A lot of parents are not really loving their kids. You, know, you can talk to people and you can ask them, what is love? They don't know. Some think it's a feeling. And so after, you know, 20, 30 years, 15 years, the feeling goes away. Oh, you know what? I fell out of love. I don't love them anymore. And they end up, you know, getting a divorce because there's a massive confusion as to what real love really is. And I think there's a massive neglect, even in the church, to really love the way that we're called to love. And so let's see what John says right here. We begin, first of all, with the command. Pretty easy to see. Beloved, let us love one another. First of all, we see the command to love to Christians, something we've heard numerous times through God's word in, in John. Look at First John chapter 3. In verse 11, for this is the message you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. I mean, this is from the beginning, from the beginning. This is a commandment. God says, this is how important it is. You love one another. Look at verse 23 of the same chapter, First John 3. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. I mean, side by side with the command to believe in Jesus and be saved is the command to love one another. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're here today and, you know, maybe you're addicted to crystal meth, maybe your marriage is on the rocks, maybe there's an emptiness inside of you that you can't feel and you've tried everything, the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll, I don't know what it is. Maybe you're here today and you've been, you know, consumed with empty religion. I remember before I got saved, I went to church. I even went to, to, to Catholic school. But I didn't really know the Lord. I didn't. It was just a religion to me. If you're in that place, you know, all you've got to do is believe in Jesus. But not just here. It's got to be here. You've got to recognize you're a sinner separated from God. Those sins have separated you from God. If you were to die today, you'd go to hell. But God does not want that. God wants you to go to heaven. 
So he sent his son Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. You guys think about that. Such a great season to, you know, contemplate the real reason. God sent his son. What for? So that so he can grow up and then be nailed to a cross for our sins. And if you turn from your sins, real simple. You don't have to, you know, you know, you don't have to do a hundred push-ups, man. You don't have to do, you know, a marathon. You don't have to earn a million dollars. Imagine if that's the way it was. If I said to you, in order for you to go to heaven, you've got to run, you know, a marathon. You know, a lot of us would die, I think, before we could actually do it, you know. Or, you know, a thousand push-ups or whatever it is, a million dollars. We'd fall short. But God's not requiring that of you. He did all the hard work. All you have to do is believe and receive. You know, it's a simple message. It's Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus. He says right here, this is a commandment. We should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And then right there, boom, slap. Side by side with that is to love one another. And so, let me ask you a question. You know, do you, do you love one another? You know, and that's probably a difficult question to answer because a lot of us don't even know what true love is. You know, if I could just say this, like Christy and Alex, you know, dedicating their son AJ uh, and, and vowing to do what? To raise him in the ways of the Lord is really one of the most important expressions of love because love is consumed with this, that I want you, mijo, to go to heaven. That I understand that as a father, my primary responsibility is not just to provide for you, not just to buy you the big house and the nice summer and the nice clothes or whatever it might be, give you a great education. I understand that my primary responsibility in loving you, my son, is to make sure that when you die, mijo, that you would go to heaven forever. That's the primary responsibility we have as parents, as, as people, to pour into the lives of those around them because that's what it's all about. We get eyes to evangelize. We get caught up in the kingdom of God. See, that's a father loving his son. That's a mom loving her son. That's us loving each other. It's really meeting their needs. Okay, you need shoes? I'll buy you shoes. You need a shirt? Tell you what, man, here, take the one I got. I got plenty at home. You need to be saved. I'm praying for you. See, Love is expressed like that. So, you know, when you're thinking about that and, you know, just thinking about love, how do you treat your wife? How do you treat your husband? How do you treat your enemy? Good question. How are you doing? How are you doing in your love thermometer, man? Are you a lover? No, I'm a fighter. That's what I thought. No, you know, it's like, You know, God calls us to do what? God calls us to that place of love. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. He tells us in 1 John 3, verse 10, verse 23, 1 John chapter 4. Even if you go over to verse 21 of 1 John 4, and this commandment we have come from him, that he who loves God must love his brother. So it's not a suggestion. And it's a commandment from God that's emphasized throughout the scriptures you know, when you read First John, this letter, the word love, loves, or loved is found 26 times. God's talking about it over and over and over again because this is what he wants from us. It's an obvious commandment that's high on God's list. Watch, if you go back to Matthew 22, 
Let's turn there, you guys. You know, I haven't been married, well, as long as some of you. I've been married since 1992. Uh, Wow, it's been 20 years. And I'm telling you this, full on, I I fail as a husband frequently. And I still have a lot of growing to, to, you know, to to experience. But one of the things that I've learned is that in my love relationship with my wife, you know, one of the greatest things that I can do is find out what pleases her. What would make her happy? And you'd be surprised on how a lot of husbands don't know that about their wives. You know, you ask them, what kind of C's candy do you like? They don't know. They don't know. I'll just get them some candy from C's and you bring it home. And you're like, she's like, I don't like the cherry ones, you know. (laughs) I mean, what makes her happy? What makes your wife happy? You know, believe it or not, a little flower here, maybe a little candy here. Maybe even something as simple as painting the hallway. And she's been asking you that for 27 years now, and you have never painted the hallway because that's not your you know, thing. You're like, oh, that's not how I love you. But that's what she desires, see? And, and for us in our relationship with God, what is it that he wants of us? It's, it's this. Look what he says here in Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 34. It says, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, and said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And so he asks Jesus a question, trying to trick him, but he asks him a a question that would really consist of a singular answer. What's the great commandment? Not commandments, commandment. That's all he was asking. Uh, The greatest one in the Bible. The greatest one in the Bible. And so Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now it's interesting to me how Jesus answers the question, but then he you know, adds more. The, the guy didn't really ask him for two. He asked him for one. What's the greatest commandment? And if Jesus would have simply said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, really love God, then he could have ended it there. But Jesus did, and he said, boom, let me tell you something else. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments. Why did Jesus tell him the second? It's because they're, they're like Siamese twins. It's like you can't have one without the other. You say you love God? Cool. Then you better be loving others. Is there anybody in your life that you hate? Is there anybody in your life that you despise, that you don't love? Then we're going to see today that you're in big trouble. We got to love. This is the commandment that we have. It's not sophisticated or complicated. It's not mystical or mysterious as to what God demands and commands of us. What's really important to God, the highest thing on his list for us is to believe in his son and then love God and love others. Real simple. If only we could get this one thing right. You know, I read this one quote by Max Muller. He said, Would not the carrying out of one single commandment of Christ love one another 
change the whole aspect of the world and sweep away prisons and workhouses and envying and strife and all the strongholds of the devil. But 2,000 years have passed and people have not yet understood that one single commandment, which is to love one another. And so for us as Christians, we search our heart. I think the tragedy is that many Christians neglect this command. Now, if there's no love, then you're not a Christian. But you know know how it is, right? You have some trees in your backyard, and some of them bear a lot of fruit, and some don't. Uh, I remember uh, the last few years, we have a peach tree that kind of grows over our wall. And um, uh, I remember one year, it had a whole bunch of peaches on it. And so we had a whole bunch of squirrels and birds, and they all ate it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad, but... um, I know the next year went by, less peaches. And then last year, only three peaches. That's not good, huh? <laughs> but some Christians are like that, I think. Well, some of them, it's so cool to see, man. They've got fruit. They've got love. It's an amazing thing. But then others over here, you wonder. The bottom line is, here's the way it works, man. I'm not even sure they're a Christian, to be honest with you. And, you know, the Lord knows those who are His. That's between Him and God. We don't have to necessarily make that final judgment always. But truth is, I'm not sure. Why? Because they don't have a lot of love. It doesn't look like they love God. And it doesn't look really like they love others. And so they're not obeying the commandment. Do you love? Have you searched your heart lately looking for love? You know, I can hear someone say, Yeah, Manny, I love I love, I love pizza. I love cheeseburgers. I love my TV. You should check it out. It's the new flat screen, man. I love the movies. I love my phone. How many of you here love your phone? How many of you here love your phone? <laughs> Some people are raising their hand. It's funny, man. But you know, it's true. We, a lot of times, man, we're just like, oh, I love you. You know, we're all over the place, man. And, you know, it's next to our bed. When we go to sleep, are you there? Me? Oh, yes, okay. And then you wake up in the morning, boom, the first thing you do is you get your phone, and it's with you. And I've learned this, man. Leave it there. Especially when you go spend your quiet time with the Lord. Leave your phone there. You don't want to have people text messaging you while you're talking to God, do you? No. Anyways, get back to the point, right? I think a lot of people love meals we love money and we love the things that money can buy but the bottom line is real love has to do with loving real people and that's where we have to check our heart you know amy carmichael said if my interest in the work of others is cool then i know nothing of calvary love she said if souls can suffer alongside of me and i hardly know it i know nothing of calvary love And so John here, he says, listen, here's the commandment from God. Number one, let's love one another. And, you know, if we do this as a church, it's amazing what God will do. You know, when God looks at churches, what is it that he measures? I I wonder, you know, sometimes if our measurements are the same as his, and I, I think not. I think that what God wants here in this place is an atmosphere of agape love. I'm not talking about sloppy agape. I'm not talking about never correcting or never talking about sin. I'm talking about real, true, supernatural, genuine atmosphere of agape 
love. You know, I read a story about a little boy who attended a Christian church, and when he and his family moved to another part of the city, the little boy still attended the same Christian church, although it meant a long, tiresome walk each way. And so a friend asked him, he said, why do you go so far? There's plenty of other good churches closer to your house. But he said, you know, they may be good for others, but not for me. And so his friend asked him, why not? And the little boy said, it's just because they love a fella over there. What a difference it makes. I think a lot of times we lower our standards. And, you know, love. This should be an atmosphere of agape love. That where the sinners come in and they feel welcome. The sinners come in. This is not a museum for saints. This is not a museum for perfect people. This is a hospital for sinners. And if you find yourself bruised and damaged and broken up and dying inside, you know, come to Jesus. This is what this is all about. You see, we have, first of all, the command of love. And then we have, secondly, the community of love. Because, again, look what it says in verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The community of love. Number one is God, and number two is the people of God. If you don't know the Lord, there's just no way you can love. Like we were talking about earlier, a love that would love their enemies, a love that would love people enough to see them, to do whatever they can, that they might be saved. There's only two types of people that love. That's God and that's God's people. We see here in verse 7 that we are to love one another. And it says in verse 7, For love is of God. Galatians 5 verse 22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love. Can you make a fruit in woodshop? You can make a fake fruit in woodshop, but you can't make a real fruit in woodshop. You can't make a fruit. You can plant a seed. You can water it. You can, you know, give it photosynthesis, sunshine. You can talk to it. Whatever you want to do with that little fruit. That, but you can't produce it. Only God can. And the way that we get this love that we need is by going to God. You know, kind of like your, I know it's a little different, but it's kind of like your car. When you get low on gas, what do you do? You borrow your neighbor's car? No, I'm just joking. You wouldn't do that, right? You go and you fill it up. Man, I need some gas. Well, when you find yourself a little, you know, I don't know if you've ever been there. Have you ever been there where your, your fuse is a little short? Have you guys ever been there? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm there right now, dude. No, <laughs> no I don't know. You get edgy. Um, you get crabby. I don't know. Some of you guys are like that just by nature, huh? <laughs> and you know what you need to do? You need to go into the love station, man. You need to go and you need to spend time with the Lord. You need to dwell, draw from the wells of His love. And then you're ready to go out and to just do what? To distribute. We're not called to be manufacturers. We're called to be distributors. God is love, we're going to see. And love is from God. That's the only way that we're going to get this. We need to love with God's love. Notice again what it says in verse 8. Who does not love does not know God. For God is love. As we read through John's writings. We learn that God is light and God is life. Here we read that God is love. Now whatever you do. Don't make that impersonal. Don't get weird and say love is God. Okay that's totally different. Okay. But God is love. 
It's one of his strongest attributes. His holiness is probably his greatest attribute, but love is one of his strongest features. And whatever you do, don't water that down. God is love, is a tremendous truth. And we meditate on his loveliness. We enjoy his loveliness. That's the reason why we want to be like him. That's the reason we're drawn to him. That's the reason when... You know, when we find ourselves, and I don't know if you ever find yourself so caught up in the world, that what ends up happening, when you just walk in this world, you're going to just get bummed and stressed and depressed. And even as a Christian, I believe that you might find yourself just down in the dumps, and you're going to say to yourself, this is what you're going to say to yourself, self, something's missing. But you're a Christian. You know the Lord. You're like, man, what can be missing? And, and I think it's these, these attributes, these supernatural attributes and discovery of God's love. Not just your love. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But let's begin with God's love. God's love for you. See, we're to love one another for love is of God. And it's just an amazing concept to think that God is love. He's not like us, where we go back and forth in love. I love you today, because you made me some good lasagna. I'll tell you what, we'll see what happens tomorrow, man. Depends on how you treat me. God's not like that. God's not back and forth. God, not only this, this is pretty incredible. He doesn't hold back on his love. See, that's something that we do. You know, because if I like get all loving on you, what are you going to do? You're going to say, dude, get away. No, you might say that. I don't know. You're going to say, he's weird. And not only that, if I just, man, if I just don't hold back on my love for you, and you don't love me back, I'm going to get hurt. And so we hold back. We've got boundaries. God is not like that. God doesn't go back and forth in his love. It's unconditional, never changes. God will never love you more than he does right now. You think about that? Yeah, but I plan on becoming a better Christian. Well, cool. But he'll never love you more than he already loves you right now. He loves you with a perfect love. Never. It's amazing. As we go through life, it's so cool to know that God is love. It means so much. He's not like us who have the tendency to love some but not others. To love those who love you. You know, those who like you. Don't you like those people? (laughs) You're like, they have good taste, right? I love them. Why do you love them? If you search your heart, a lot of times the reason you just love them is because they like you. They treat you right. And, And, you know, that's how love begins. We love God because he first loved us, but... When love begins to flow out and becomes like God, it's not like that. We're going to see that we are called to love our enemies. God's love is pure. It's real, unchanging, unconditional. He doesn't love us because of who we are. Oh, hey, homeboy got a nice haircut. I love him more. No, he's not like that, right? He loves us because of who he is because God is love. See, we see, first of all, the command to love. And then we see the community of love, and that is God and God's people. Again, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not what? Know God. For God is love. 
to be born. It speaks of the results of the new birth, right? When we're born again, we become Christians. And when we're born again, we begin to love. If not, we don't know the Lord. 1 John 3, verse 10, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. And 1 John 3, 14, We know that we have passed from death to life. How? Because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And so, you know, you could read this, and I know there's my problem, you guys. I could read this and then just kind of go on. You know, I've got to, I'm going to have titos for lunch today. And, um, you know, I just got, you know, a service to get ready for tonight. And, you know, and you just kind of go on. And, and that's my problem a lot of times. But in reading this right here, the Lord just really stopped me in my tracks. You know, I know I know the Lord. I know I know the Lord. But sometimes I wonder... Which tree am I? Am I this tree over here, Lord, that only has three peaches? Or am I this one that I aspire to be, Lord? That's what I want to be. So, you know what I had to do is I had to stop in my tracks and I had to really search my heart. Lord, do I really, do I really love my wife? The way Christ loved the church and died for her. Lord, do I really love my kids? The way that I'm supposed to. So that that love just just penetrates their heart you know hey do what i or do what i say because i told you to do it what's wrong with you you know i mean is that the the kind of love if you were to ask my wife whether or not i loved her just ask her what would she say if you were to ask my kids does your dad really love you what would he say you know if you were to ask god does Manny really love you? What would he say? And that's the bottom line. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Oh, Lord, I like you. No, do you love me? Yeah, I like you. The Lord had to come down to his level. Peter was being honest. I think we need to be a little bit more honest. You know, bottom line is, Lord, I need help in this area. I need help. You know, Lord, I feel like my love is falling short. And so here we are in First John chapter 4. And if you want, you can just go on and go to Titos afterwards or King Taco. In and out, right across the street. Get you guys hungry. And, you know, fellowship together. And, you know, I'm not even going to think about this. But as I was studying for this on Friday night, I tell you what, man, something happened in my office. And the Lord just really began to convict me. And he began to challenge me. And he began to just say to me, you need to search your heart. You need to stop. Stop reading right now. Stop and look into your heart. And, and it's so cool because like we read earlier, love is from God. Something happened there. And all of a sudden he just said, this is what you need to do. You need to go help your wife. Right? My wife was decorating and... And the Lord said, you know, stop studying. And you're like, yeah, it's pretty obvious you stopped studying. No, I'm just doing And go help her. I don't know. I don't know who it is or how it will be in your life. I know for sure, obviously, if you've got family in your house, it's got to begin there. But the Lord said you love your neighbor, whoever God brings into your path. But you've got to be more spiritually sensitive. Ask the Lord, who are you to love and how are you to love? And you begin to really search your heart. Lord, is this me? You know, one of the things that men tend to be is selfish. Don't you hate selfishness? 
Don't you guys hate that? Say, I hate selfishness. Amen. You know, I just want you guys to just catch that, you know, because I don't know about you, but I hate that in me. I hate that all the decisions that I make are, I'm wondering, well, how is this going to affect me? That's not like the Lord, see? And so anyways, that's the epitome of love, and that is when we begin to live selflessly. How is it going to look? I don't know. Augustine said this, What does love look like? It has hands to help others. It has feet to hasten to the poor and needy. It has eyes to see misery and want. It has ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of men. This is what love looks like. How are you going to love? Well, you've got to pursue love. Right? You've got to put on love. And just begin to practice love. I know it sounds a little mushy. You're like, dude, this is not Valentine's Day. Why are you talking about love? Well, it's because we're here in the Bible. But we really need to put this on, pursue it. We need to practice it. I like what one guy said. You learn to speak by speaking, to study by studying, to run by running, to work by working. And just so you learn to love by loving. Ask God who and ask God how. And then you go love them. And you watch what begins to happen in your life. You'll begin as a mere apprentice. And then the very power of love will lead you on to become a master of the art. And it'll change you and it'll change others. You're probably familiar with that newspaper column. That, that the gentleman by the name of George Crane, he told of a wife who one day came into his office and she just told this guy straight out uh, how much she hates her husband. She said, I not only want to divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he has hurt me. And so the doctor suggested a plan. He said, well, okay, you want to hurt him as much as he's hurt you? Okay, go home and act as if you really loved him, okay? And tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait you see. Go out of your way to be kind and considerate and generous as possible. Spare no efforts to please him, to enjoy him. Make him believe, make him believe that you love him. And after you've convinced him of your undying love, then you can drop the bomb. Tell him you're going to get a divorce. That'll hurt him. And so what ends up happening? The woman's excited. She's got revenge in her eyes. She smiles and she says, oh, that's beautiful. And so what ends up happening for two months is she goes and she does what the doctor ordered and loves and kindness and listening, giving, reinforcing, sharing. And so after two months, the doctor, you know, calls her, hey, hey, what happened? You know, it's time. Drop the bomb. And she says, what, are you crazy? (laughs) I've discovered that I love him. And as a result of this whole loving, what's happened is that my emotions have changed even my feelings have changed and that doesn't always happen but the ability to love is established not so much by words or fervent promises but really it takes place when you and i begin to act to to live this life of love you see and that's what we're called to do as a community what is it that christians are known for what are you known for in your life well i got the bumper sticker bro yeah, yeah, I got, I'm bold. Got the bumper sticker. All right, that's cool, man. The T-shirt, got the T-shirt. I go to church, you know, three times a week. Yeah, I noticed that. Your your car's always gone on Sundays. Yeah, 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 man. I get 50 bucks every single Sunday. 
Yeah. That's cool. I'm proud of you. Was that is that what you're known for? I remember one guy, you know, he had a really cool license plate. Now, when you got a, your license plate, you know, personalized, live for JC. It's what it said, live for JC. But homeboy didn't. He didn't live for JC. He was known for his license plate. He was known for his bumper sticker. He was known for his T-shirt. He was known for his words, but he was not known for his love. And, and when you study the Bible, you know, there are certain things that we should be known for as a church, or holiness, or integrity, or love. I pray that that would be us, because this is the community. We have the command, and then the community And then we close today with the cross. Because look what it says in verse 9. It says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, first of all, the command to love. And I pray you guys would never forget how clear that is and how high that is on God's list. God has commanded us to love one another. Secondly, we see the community of love, and that is God and God's people. We're called to love. If we don't love, we don't know God. But then the third thing is this. And here's where it can get even more difficult. And I don't want to confuse you, but I probably will. What is love? Any philosophers here? What is love? Huh? What is love? You know, and you know, most people, they probably wouldn't be able to articulate a definition of it. And, and you know, I think that, you know, you might be loving people without being able to articulate the definition of it. I see some moms loving their kids. Every once in a while I'll see a husband loving his wife. Um, I see parents loving their kids more often, you know, but, you know, so you might not be able to articulate it, but, you know, you see it practice, and I understand that. I'm not saying you have to be able to word it and answer the question on the examination in order to do it, but I think it would be beneficial for us to know what it is. But not only that, you know, to know what it is and then to be able to put it into practice is another challenge. You know, here's love. Love is to unconditionally, sacrificially seek someone else's highest good. Unconditionally. doesn't matter how you treat me. I love you. Sacrificially. It doesn't matter what the sacrifice or the price. I'm willing to pay what I need to pay to love you. Seeking someone else's highest good. It begins with salvation, but there are so many other things involved in that. You know, even First John, he says, don't love in, you know, just words and deeds, or just don't love in just tongue. Love in words and deeds. It has to be shown, right? And so when we want to discover what love is, and here's the thing, you guys, is that I, I looked up a lot of a lot of references. Uh, I've been a Christian now for you know over twenty years. Um, lexicons, Bible encyclopedias, Bible dictionaries, and and still it didn't really help me a whole lot. But here's the thing: when I just began to research one topic, 
Then I began to understand what real love is. And that's what we just read right here. And this is love. The love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his propitiation and his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What is that? You guys know what it is, huh? It's the cross. It's the cross. And if you really want to know what love is, study the cross. That's really the bottom line. And it was kind of funny. I was so desperate for help. And my son, he's cool. I, I was just asking him, Aaron, what's love? <laughs> Tell me. He said, oh, Dad, well, you told me a long time ago that love is death. I said, oh, that's right. <laughs> love. What is it? Unconditionally, sacrificially. You know, when you begin to talk about love, it's helpful, it's beneficial, it's sacrificial, it's fatal. Because you die to yourself. You deny yourself in order that someone else might benefit. See, that's the nature of true love. And that's what we find in the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, God shows his love toward us and that the Father sent the Son. That's pretty amazing that he would send his Son. Think about that, to die for your sins. How many of you here are good stewards with your finances? None of you here are. No, I know some of you here are, right? You're, and you're also humble because you're not going to be like, yeah, I am, right? But, um, you know, I know how you are, you, and I know how we are. We try to get the best deal, right? Hey, man, I'm going to go online, price comparison. When I go in there right there, I'm going to talk that guy down. You watch, man. I'm going to get me a good deal on this, right? And here's the thing. I think that a lot of times we're looking for a good deal, We're not willing to pay the price to love. What can I get by without doing in order to kind of like make sure my wife doesn't get mad at me, you know? I mean, it's just not really what God wants. We're not willing to send our son. God God sent his son. God sent his son for us. See, and this is love. He's trying to tell us here, you know, not only, you know, theology about Jesus dying for us, but a visual demonstration so that we can have this revelation and discovery of what real love is. And the more we study the cross, the more we, 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 we learn what it is. God sent his son, you know, to meet our need. We were dead. Now we can live. Think about that. He met our needs. You see a little boy over here and he doesn't have a male figure in his life. His dad has abandoned him and there is no male figure in his life. You know what that little boy needs? He needs a feel. He needs an uncle. He needs somebody to come in. Maybe that'll be you. You can love on them because if that little boy doesn't get a male figure in his life, his chances of not making it in life, 95% of the guys in there didn't have a dad. Didn't have a dad that was there for them. The Lord will begin to show you needs. I think for a lot of us here, you're not going to have to look far. How much time do you spend with your kids? How many date nights do you go out with your wife? Not the movies, for a number of reasons. Number one is usually garbage. Not always, but... 
But number two, you're not really talking. Okay, Revelation, you guys, about TV and movies, you don't have to use your brain to, <laughs> to do that. They do all the thinking for you. You know, you take your wife and you go and you have a date and you have heart-to-heart conversations with her. I don't know. Do you like Starbucks? A little cheaper. Maybe dinner's too expensive. But I don't think you're going to have to look far for the people that you're supposed to love. You see, there's these needs that are so deep. They're so deep. And we don't realize it. But their needs are so deep that only the love of God can meet their needs. And this is why he's he's telling us, this is what Jesus has done for us. He loved us, not that we loved him, you know, and you don't have to wait for them to bust the move. You bust the move. You love them. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that means that God appeased his wrath through his son, Jesus. And isn't it cool for you guys that are Christians here? We could just take a real side note here. Aren't you glad you're a Christian? I mean, aren't you glad that when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, that all your sins were nailed to the cross, past, present, future? Aren't you glad that you're free? Aren't you glad that you're forgiven? Aren't you glad that you're white as snow? Aren't you glad that there is no trace, slice, or sliver of God's anger and wrath towards you because Jesus absorbed it all for us? Does it not want you to praise God? I mean, it brings us to that place. This is what God's love did for us. See, when you study the cross, and, and you know, there's different results from the cross. And we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And we talk about all these theological things. You know, but it was, it was, the, it was the love of God that made all that possible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what love is. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love, unique love toward us, and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we need to have the same heart. It's hard. When you live in a society that says it's all about you, Right? Self-esteem. And yet the Christian message is self-denial. As a matter of fact, I read one quote. It's pretty cool. It says, Forgetting oneself is not the refinement of love. It's the first essential of love. Now we're talking about the love that God has for us. And so we close today. Verse 11. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The word ought is really a, a word that means you owe something. You owe something. And it's kind of interesting because when I first used to read Romans thirteen eight, owe no one anything except that you love one another, I would just kind of think only of that. Well, I, I, I got to love them because I owe it to them. But really, you owe it. you owe it to God. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought. We owe God. We, we ought to love one another. And so, I pray you would know God's love. I know that, you know, one thing about being a pastor, and I, 
oh, I don't know if I should say this. Um, you know, I know we fail. I fail. Uh, you guys probably mess up. Some of you guys I know you do. You're pretty messed up. Maybe you messed up today. How many of you here got in a fight on your way in? I was joking. I won't ask you that. Um, do you know God still loves you? Yeah, he does. He doesn't love what you're doing. You've got to repent of your sins. But he still loves you. And what we have to do is, first of all, receive that love. Lord, even though I'm a knucklehead, even though I'm only, you know, five, seven and a half, even though I've got a spot right here and I'm a little overweight, you still love me. You've got to receive that love. But then what you have to do is you have to go and you have to give it out. And that's what the world needs. The world needs the love of God that comes from God. It makes a big difference. Make a big difference in your wife's heart, in your husband's heart, in your children's heart, in your neighbors, to the ends of the earth. It'll make a difference. I read one story about a little boy named Teddy Stallard who was a, a little guy that was going through some struggles. Apparently, he didn't enjoy school. He was very sloppy in his appearance, expressionless, you know, unattractive. Uh, even his teacher, Mrs. Thompson, when she would grade his papers, she would put like an extra, you know, umph into her red marks that she would do besides many of his incorrect answers. But if only she had read his records. I guess when you research his records, we would find that in first grade, it says that Teddy showed promise with his work and attitude, but he has a difficult situation at home. In second grade, the letter said Teddy could do better, but his mother is seriously ill, receives little help from home. The third grade, it said Teddy is a good little boy, but he's too serious. He's a slow learner. His mother died this year. In fourth grade, it said, Teddy is very slow. His father shows no interest whatsoever. And so Christmas arrives, and all the kids brought their gifts for the teacher, some with elaborately wrapped, and the teacher opened them up there on the desk, and apparently Teddy brought one too. But it was wrapped in brown paper, sloppy, barely held together by a few strips of scotch tape. Well, Miss Thompson opened each gift, and as the children crowded around to watch, she also opened Teddy's little gift and out fell a gaudy rhinestone bracelet and a half bottle of perfume. And all the children began to laugh. Well, she had enough sense to know, well, spread a little perfume on, throw the bracelet on. And she put the kids to silence. But at the end of the day, after the children had left, Teddy came up to the teacher and he said, Miss Thompson, you smell just like my mom. And that bracelet sure looks good on you. After he left, Miss Thompson got down on her knees. And what she did was she asked God to forgive her and to change her attitude. And so the next day, when the children were coming in, they were greeted by a different teacher, a reformed teacher, one who had simply done this that day, committed herself to loving all the children that God would bring into her path. And she had a special place in her heart for Teddy Stallard. 
Well, time went on. Miss Thompson heard nothing from Teddy for a long time. And then one day she received a note from him and said, Dear Miss Thompson, I want you to be the first to know that I will be graduating second in my class. Love, Teddy. Four years later, another note arrived and said, Dear Miss Thompson, they just told me I'm going to be graduating first in my class. I wanted you to be the first to know the university hasn't been easy, but I liked it. Love, Teddy. Then four years later, another letter came. It said, Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Theodore Stallard, MD. How about that? I wanted you to be the first to know. And I'm getting married next month, the 27th to be exact. I want you to come and sit where my mom would sit if she were alive. And so Miss Thompson attended that wedding and she sat where Teddy's mother would have sat. You see, the love that she had shown that little boy had rescued him. And it's that same love that we need to share with those little Teddy Stallards, with that person sitting next to you, whoever it is that God would bring into your path, knowing, you know, that this is the love, this is the power that sent Jesus to the cross and saved my life and rescued me when I had no hope. And that love, God says, you know, I'm going to show the world my love by dying on the cross. And I'm going to show the world my love through you. I pray, you guys, we'd be good representatives. Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to study your word together. And this is probably a familiar passage, Lord, uh, even a familiar concept. But I know in my own life, Lord, that I really need you to, to rock my world and to change things around. And so I pray that for me. I pray that for your beautiful church. And Lord, as we uh, close the service and have communion, I pray, Lord, just in case there is anyone here who today is the day of salvation, Lord, who needs you, I pray that, Lord, you would touch their hearts.